Thanks so much for joining us today. We would love to know how this ministry is impacting your life. Please take a moment and email us at mystory@cowboyjunctionchurch.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can visit our website at cowboyjunctionchurch.com and click Give. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy the message today. Very excited about CG's message last week. Did a great job. Uh, man, what a deal to get to leave. And uh, we got to go to Idaho and speak at a, a church that we were really fond of. And uh, they're just fantastic. And just to know that we can leave it in, in great hands. And CG called it the B team. And it's anything but the B team. It's like the double dog awesome team. It's incredible. And so, uh, don't we have a great staff? Don't we have a great staff? Way to go. So this is the month of talking about Thanksgiving and talking about, uh, well, gosh, it, it just happens to be my favorite holiday, Thanksgiving. Anybody else that's your favorite holiday too? You don't have the hustle bustle of Christmas and you don't have family coming in and um, you, you, uh, <laughs> you get to eat a lot and it's just, one. I, I love Thanksgiving, I really do. But um, this month, I wanted to talk about all the things that we want to talk about, the, the thank you. I want to talk about worship. I want to talk about generosity. And I want to talk about serving wholeheartedly. But with it, there's a theme in it. And, and we've kind of mentioned it a little bit. CG definitely did last week, and I did during the offering. But do you know that, that specifics, specifics really is the one thing that keeps me on track of what I know I'm, I need to do. I am a very passionate person, and I... I can come derailed very quickly. I'm a floater. I am a squirrel chaser. There's no doubt about it. I can make a day out of just squirreling all day long. My faith can do that too. It's so important for me to be in Scripture because Scripture is my constant source of foundation for my life because it's the specifics of what God is asking for. Every time I read through the Bible, read through Scripture, it reminds me of what God's asking for, and then I'm able to turn and give Him what He wants. I am horrible about giving God what I think He needs, or what I think would be good for Him, or what I think He would think would be a good gift. I'm like that with God, and that didn't even work for my wife. I thought this would be a good gift for you, and it wasn't. It wasn't even what she asked for. Scripture is so foundational for me to give God what he's asking for. And today I want to talk to you about worship. And we are built to be worshipers. We are made to be worshipers. And so get your smart device out, get your Bible app, get your Bible out and whatever. And we're going to go to the Scripture in a minute. I just wanted to get you there. And, and you can go ahead and turn to John chapter 4, verse, 20, verse 23. There's a whole story I'm going to tell you behind this Scripture. But to get us there, I, I want to talk to you and start off a little bit of what CG talked about last week. Last week she talked about the thank you. And the thank you is a very important thing. Um, but if you ever received a thank you and you're not sure if the person knew why they were thanking you, the specifics weren't there. Uh, have you ever got an apology and you wish you'd have had the nerve to turn to him and say, hey, what are you apologizing for? 
because they probably couldn't tell you what they were apologizing for, and those apologies don't count. I know this because Heather tells me that all the time. What are you apologizing for? I don't know. I'm just apologizing. I'm just trying to find some relief. And, and she in, informs me of what I should be apologizing for. Those make great apologies. Is when you know why you're apologizing. Thanking. Thanking someone and knowing why is a key to a great thank you. The reason why I'm going to start the whole series off with a thank you message that, preach, that, that CG preached last week is because a thank you is the catalyst for great worship. If you don't have a great thank you, you can never know what true worship is. And the unfortunate part about where we live and how we live is that very few people carry a thank you in their heart. Very few people are ever thank you. Very few people are ever in a thankful spirit. Very few people can sit down and, and at least one time in the day sit back and go, I am thankful for blank. And because we can be such selfish people and not have a thank you, that's why worship can be such a struggle for people. Worship can be such a struggle in someone's life. Uh, I noticed this as a pastor. Um, I, I see people that just come, and if I was to turn to people and say, why do you come to church? And the number one answer is, it just makes you feel better. And honestly, that's the whole college experience right there. Um, everybody got dressed in college. Everybody got dressed up. Everybody partied all night on Saturday, but they went to church on Sunday just so they weren't so guilty from what they did Saturday night. I remember I was there. didn't do anything, but I remember <laughs> I was there. And so it's, it's this whole moment of we come to church and we don't know why we come. And let me just turn and say that, that one of the reasons that I am here is if I never got to preach, let's say something happened and I never got to preach, praise and worship changes me. Praise and worship changes my heart. In fact, let me, let me throw up the first thought that I have for today. Worship is the correction of focus. Worship is this moment that it changes my focus. I can be focusing on so many things, but the thing about it is, is that worship always changes what I'm thinking about. And it puts me at a place of realizing that God is my focus, that he has a path, that he has a direction. I'm reminded in worship how great God's plan is, how perfect God's plan is. I'm, I'm reminded through worship the testimony of what God has done in my life. I can become so selfish, I'm not even thankful anymore. And worship changes my heart and I become thankful. In 15 minutes and three songs, it changes my heart from selfish to thankful. Keep that up there. Worship is the correction of focus. But let me turn and tell you this. The only reason that men, men fail is because they have a broken focus. The only reason that men fail is because they have a broken focus. Watch somebody make a poor choice. It's because they lost focus somewhere. Watch somebody make a stupid decision. And you watch, they just forgot about what they're supposed to focus on. Um, and for, for any man that's, that's ever been unfaithful in a marriage, for that brief moment you lost focus of what you had for one brief moment of what you thought you needed. And it's this broken mo moment of, of focus, and, and it's the reason why men fail. But you know what worship does for me? It puts me back on the track of remembering what true focus is. Worship changes me. That's why today's so important, because... I think if we can grab the grasp 
of how important a lifestyle, everybody listen to me, a lifestyle, not just 15 minutes of, but a lifestyle of worship. A, a moment to where the first words, I remember the day when the first words out of my mouth became serious to me. I, I remember someone preached, and, and it so convicted me that, that I could either start the day off, good Lord morning or good morning God. Think about that one. It hit me, hit me a little bit different than it hit you might have. But it, it, it's what are the first words that come out of your mouth. Uh, the reason why I want to bring up John chapter 4, verse 23, is this is a story that Jesus reveals a lot of things. There's so much depth in this chapter of the Bible. And this is Jesus speaking to a woman. And in her life at that present time, there was really just two things on her mind, two things in her focus. Number one, she needed water. Number two, it was hot. In your life, you live a day like that too. you got to get water, and it's uncomfortable. And so often, we can live a life to where that's the only two things about life, is I'm working to live, and I'm living to work. I'm all about getting the water, and, and I hope the day goes smooth. And in her, that was the only two things that mattered. I have to get water, and it's really hot. And then all of a sudden, Jesus shows up. And her focus is so focused on these two things. To her, he was just a man. So now three things to think about. Here's a man, I'm getting water, and it's really hot. But something happens for her to be able to recognize that he wasn't a man, he was the Messiah. That's, that's key. That is crucial. He wasn't just a man. He was the Messiah. And Jesus has a conversation with her, and he says, but the hour is coming, and now is, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And he goes and on, and he talks to her about how we believe that worship can only be done in the temple. But the day is coming, and I'll tell you that's even here right now, to where worship is where there anywhere that you worship the Father in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth, in spirit and in truth. And she turns and she says, yes, but how long will he have to do this? For one day the Messiah is coming, and he turns to her and he says, he's sitting right next to you right now. Okay? And the reason why this is so big is because I want you to pay attention. He was able to reveal himself and change her focus because he introduced worship. Yeah. In one moment. It wasn't about the water anymore. And it wasn't about the heat of the day. It wasn't about a man sitting there. It was the introduction to God's plan for humanity and her. And worship. Worship. One day you'll get to be on the back of your horse, he says, and you'll be riding out in the pasture, and, and you'll be able to worship me out there in that pasture, because in spirit and truth, I'm there with you. One day you'll be driving down your, 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 your road. It won't even be your vehicle. It'll be a company vehicle. And, and they happen to give you a CD player or a Bluetooth or a tape or an 8-track in your, in your, in, in your company truck. And, and you'll be able to take that moment and you'll be able to, in spirit and truth, drive down the road and the presence of God can feel your, your vehicle. And it just completely changes your focus on what you thought today was going to be like and who you thought you were, you were and the discouragement and frustration completely left once you got to be in his presence and focus changed. Uh, you may be in a marriage and you're frustrated and you're angry and all of a sudden you realize, 
I'm not. I, I get to be in God's presence, and it changes my focus. And, and all of a sudden, love lifted me. Today, I want to do something. We could go anywhere in Scripture and find examples of worship, examples and examples of worship. We don't have that time. But I want to go directly to the, the, the book of worship. It's be Psalms. And Psalms are these, uh, I guess, collections of great men who love the Lord, who wrote their heart down on, on praises and worship to the Father. And, and in Psalms, Psalms does an interesting thing. It collects all of these Psalms, and there's this recurring thing that continues to take place. And Psalm has, Psalms has nine specific ways that we can worship God. Now remember, I just used the word specific. But in these nine things, these nine things can be broke down into three specific things that we can be better worshipers at, okay? Worshipers through. And what I find fascinating about this is that God, God actually embraces them and makes them something that he would turn and say, I revealed this to you in such a way. And, and in it, I want, just want to pay attention to these nine things today. I want to take a look at how it can improve our worship, and, and, and the funny thing was, is we are Lee County people and we don't express ourselves very well. We are not very expressive, okay? Here's your sad face, but here's your happy face. And I know because I see it all the time, okay? And, and, and I would turn to you and say, what if, what if? We allow God to do something in our heart. And we allow God to do something with our body. And we allow God to do something with our face to where all of a sudden we begin to give God something he's asking for. An expression becomes something that is specific in worship. Are you guys ready for this journey? Y'all may not be ready for this, but y'all just hold on. Buckle your seatbelt. We're fixing to go to town. Ty Bean's fixed a letter rip, tater chip. Are you guys ready? Okay, here we go. The first thing you see in Psalms is your voice. Your voice is an instrument that God gave you to bring him worship. Your voice is an instrument that Psalms tells us can change your focus. Far too many people keep it bottled up. Far too many people keep it down low. And God would turn and, and, and say, I gave you your voice, use your voice and sing praises to me. And the first thing that comes up is you're speaking. Your speaking is an ability that God has given you to speak worship that can change your focus. Far too many people don't understand the power of the words that you choose and the things that you say. And I'm, I, I would say for anybody in the room that you would go, I've never heard anybody talk about that before. I, let me go to, to um, uh, Psalms 34 verse 1. Okay, Psalms 34, verse 1, and it says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. Did you catch that part? I will bless the Lord. I will speak blessing. I will praise the Lord. I will tell him how awesome he is. I will worship the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Quick question. How often is praise continually in your mouth? And the thing is, is that now's not the time to be convicted, and now's not the time to shut the walls, you know, and, and clam up. Now is the time to realize, you know what? I do not take inventory of the words that come out of my mouth, and no wonder my focus is unfocused. 
No wonder I am discouraged half the time. No wonder I am frustrated. But if I could just start using my words to worship God, it could actually change my focus because now my faith is with him. Your words are that powerful. Speaking is that powerful. Speaking life and not death. It's so difficult to be in a conversation nowadays without something dead coming out of your mouth. And I would turn and say, what if? What if we asked Holy Spirit to come and guide us and coach us? Show me how to speak life. And it could be painful. There could be times that you just sit there and go, and you're about to say something you ought not say. But let me tell you, with every time that we bite our tongue, it's an opportunity for life to come out. Psalms goes on, and it says, your voice, your voice is an opportunity to shout, to give a good old shout. Now, I'm not expecting Monday night to shout at all, okay? But, but to shout. And in Psalms, it says this. This is how big a shout is. Psalms 27, verse 6 says, then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. Think about that sentence. Think about that sentence. To where all of a sudden you have been lifted up. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Now, now here's the deal. I've been to some shouting ch- churches over the, over the years. And, and, and let me just tell you that the best shouts are when it's my shouts. There's been many a times I've been in a church that shouted because everybody else was shouting. And, and let me just turn and tell you, the best shouts are when it's tie beans, wholehearted, here I am, and I'm shouting to the Lord. There's been times I've shouted in my truck. I've shouted in the house, and they told me to go outside. I, 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 a shout is this moment to where I need some breakthrough now. And a shout, a good, down, deep, wholehearted Jesus, man, it, I just got chicken skin from doing it. And, and, and I'm, not, I'm, not here, I'm not here today for chicken skin. I'm here today. It does something for your spirit when you can just give a good old shout. When was the last time your football team played and you gave a good shout? I say keep shouting. Your football team needs a shout. When was the last time your kid shot a deer and you gave a big old high five and a shout? I say, man, you cannot have too many good deer shots and a shout come out. Keep shouting. But let me just tell you, don't you ever hold back a shout, a shout of praise, a shout of praise for your Father in heaven, Uh, for, for your voice. Here's another one. Singing. Some sing good. And some sing like Ty. But your singing is an ability that God gave you for worship. And when we sing, we have the ability of turning our focus back to what God wants for our life. In Psalms 47, verse 6, it says this, and I love this. Sing praises to God. Sing praises. Exclamation point. Sing praises to our King. Sing praises exclamation point now the, the singing part let me just tell you that it you've heard it like i've heard just make a joyful noise it doesn't even have to be good but there's something about singing i, I would ask you where do you spend your money and and for worship i would turn and tell you that that i i i, I wish i could sing 
but I can't. And I've actually had people in our church on days that I've sang on the stage just for fun, I may do it today just to make them mad, but I, just, 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 just to sing and me singing, they say, Ty, don't ever sing again. I mean, it's not good, but I enjoy singing. And I have actually invested money into good worship music. Because I can be going into my day and one song, one moment, one moment of singing can change me. You've probably never been in the truck with me when I did it. But that's okay. You didn't miss much. For me, it was between me and the Lord. And to sing, I've made songs up. You know, I've, I've been driving down the road. I, I, I couldn't think of a song I wanted to play. The phone wasn't working. Siri wasn't working. And so I'm driving down the road, an old song from back in my teens, back in, you know, old church days would come to my mind. Would come to my mind. Yeah. I love you, Lord, and I lift my voice. Man, that'll good, that's a good one. To worship you. It goes just like that. <laughs> oh, my soul, rejoice. Have you ever had moments like that when those, they would never do that song in, in, in up here because it's old. But, but it, there's something in my spirit that is just lodged in my heart. And, and there's been times I've drove down the road and the Lord reaches in and pulls it out and un, unpacks it and says, here, sing that one. And I remember it. Don't ever miss an opportunity to sing. Don't be so prideful that you miss the heart of singing. Yeah. Don't you ever miss that opportunity. Yeah. Psalms goes on and it begins to talk about the third area that, that, that we worship God is our posture. Your posture is an avenue of worshiping God. How you carry yourself is the way that you worship God. And one way that, that Psalms tells us, in Psalms 95, verse 6, it says, bowing. Bowing before the Lord is a posture that we take in worship. In Psalms 95, verse 6, it says this, O come, let us worship and bow down. Did you hear that? Bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. This is one of the most overlooked, overlooked worship ingredients that people don't realize can be a breakthrough moment. I mean, let me tell you, let me tell you how, how we would do it here in Lee County. You have been born with the ingredients of you got this. Okay? I don't know if you have realized that. But you were born with an attitude or a posture of, it's okay, I got this. I can do it. I can do it. No, 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 you don't do it, I'll just do it. Because if I don't do it, no one else is going to do it how I want it to be done, so I'll just do it myself. I got this, I got this. And you're, through great teaching, by the way, has caused you to carry more than you ought to. Okay? In work, in life, I don't frown on this, because let's just face it, in the world we're living in, a good work ethic is, is, is pretty amazing but not when it comes to your faith. You don't got it when God is asking you to give it to him. And one of the greatest things that can happen in your faith is the moment you realize you don't got this. 
and everything's about to fall apart. Everything's about to just go haywire. And if you were at, at work, you could get this job done. But you quit too often in things that take faith because you carry what you can do in the world into your spiritual world, and God rules there. And he goes, no, 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 you don't carry yourself with that posture here. I am your God, and I am faithful, and I need your faith in me to grow. And where do I experience this the most? In being the pastor of this church. Now, I got this. And I have failed many times with an I got this faith. And that is not worship. Worship would change my focus. And let me just, let me just show you guys something real quick. Uh, a couple years ago, I started doing something that, that I, I, I don't see any reason to, to quit doing this. There's a little bit of time between when I go in my office and when I see you, when I come into this room. And, and there has never been a sermon that I felt 100% about, okay? There's never been a time I've walked up here and thought I prayed hard enough, I studied hard enough, I've got a great story. I've never walked up here and had confidence. But a couple years ago, I, I, was, I, was, I, I got my notes, I got my Bible, I got my keys, I got my stuff, I got my everything, and I go to the door and I'm about to walk out because I got this. And I realize I don't got this. I don't, I don't want this. This isn't anything I want. And I saw my study chair. And I laid everything down. And before I even walked out the door, I walked over and I, I did this for the first time. I just, I, I just went to my knees. Man, and I just buried my face in the seat of my study chair in my office. And I just started confessing. And it was worship. God, I don't have this. God, I need you. And then all of a sudden, it was like instant. Things began to come into my heart. Not one person came to this church tonight, Lord, to listen to me. But every person that came into this church tonight has come to hear something from you. And I, I, was, just, I was there in my chair, and I, just, I was telling God this. I was just telling God this. And the more that I began to have this posture of bowing before the Lord and remembering who's in charge and remembering who's got this night and remembering who has had this night planned for a very, very long time, to remember that I'm not in charge, that he is in charge, that I am the servant and he is the master. Oh my gosh, it's like a thousand pounds came off my shoulders. The joy flooded back into my heart and I realized this is fun. You know you can pastor a church and lose the joy? Yeah. And worship posturing being to bow. Some of you, in your marriage, you're expecting more out of your wife than God created her to give you. And when you start bowing before the Lord, he'll give you what he has instead of you expecting it out of her. Changes your whole posture, changes your whole attitude. Your job. I would turn and say, there's a moment that before you leave the house and you take on the pressures of this job, stop and bow before the Lord and let him be God. Come on, who am I talking to? And, and this is the attitude, it's the posture of worship. And Psalms tells us, I mean, these are kings, these are kings who wrote this and they're saying, my gosh, guys, come on, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our maker. Another posture that takes place is we stand, believe it or not. In Psalms 119, verse 2120, it says, 
My flesh trembles in the fear of you. I stand in the awe of your laws. And and there's going to be moments that, that in your life, standing, standing is an opportunity to worship. Everything inside of you wants to run, and God tells you to stand. Everything inside of you wants to flee, pull the ripcord, bail, count your losses. And right before you take your first step, worship changes your focus. And God says, worship me by staying right where you're at. Who'd have thought it? Standing is a form of worshiping our God. I, I think it's very important to look at, look at how our forefathers did church. When the Bible was opened, when Scripture was opened, the entire church stood up. There was a reason why. It was worship. When worship starts and the first strum takes place, the entire church stands up. It's a posture. We stand worshiping our God. Yeah. Here's another one. Your posture, dancing. Oh boy, it's about to get good at Cowboy Junction. Yeah. Dancing is an amazing thing. But dancing spiritually, I actually uh, I preached on this yesterday and had several people text me. And one, one lady who is just very dear to me, she uh, shot me a, a message on Facebook. And she says, I just want to be open and tell you that I dance in my car. I thought, sounds dangerous to me, but you're in God's hands, so we'll just, we'll just, we'll just let you go. And, but, but dancing, dancing in this moment. In Psalms 49, verse 3, it says this, let them praise his name with dancing and make music to him with tambourine and harp. I, I love our worship team. I love how they start worship here at Cowboy Junction. Uh, I don't know if you ever noticed, but they start with a four, a four click, and it goes, tss, 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 tss. and then, well, for whatever reason, they start with a heavy beat, and it goes, boom, boom. and I can't help myself. At Cowboy Jones, you guys watch me, when they go, tss, 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 Ty Bean on the front row always goes, boom, <laughs> and I, I mean, I, I, mean I, I love moving. David loved moving, too. And the Bible says that one day he celebrated God in the fact that God had performed a miracle, a miracle to bring the Ark of the Covenant back home. And as they brought it back home, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God, David began to dance before the Lord and dance before the Lord. He danced so wildly that when he came home, David was joyful in the heart of worship. But his wife was hacked at him. She said, you embarrassed yourself horribly today. Did you know that the entire community was watching you make a fool of yourself? And David makes this statement. He says, woman, this is the typing version, okay? He said, woman, he said, what any business is it of yours if I am indignant to worship my father when my worship had nothing to do with you. Husbands, I think you ought to dance with your wife. And I, I, this is just me talking. But when you, when you put on something and you grab her and you dance with her because you know that makes God smile, uh, that's a pretty cool thing for your marriage. But there's been many times in the truck 
that I just had to pull over and rejoice with the celebration that God made a miracle happen. And we needed to celebrate. The worst thing I could have done in those miracle moments was put my hands in my pocket and say, "Mm, thank you, Lord. When the moment needed, oh, thank you, Lord, dancing. How are we doing so far? We've got three more to go. You you guys in for just three more? Here's the last one. Last last three. Here we go. Uh, Your hands. Your hands. Everybody hold your hands up. Your hands are given to you to worship the Lord. Hold your hands up. Here we go. Your hands. Take a look at them. There's some people that just refuse to raise your hands. That's okay. Here we go. Your hands. Your hands are a tool from God. And one of the ways that your, your hands have been given to you is to play an instrument. In Psalms 33, verse 2, it says this. Praise the Lord with the harp. Did you hear that? Praise the Lord with a harp. Make music to him on the ten-string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillful, skillfully and shout for joy. How about that? I'm going to have Fabian. Fabian, will you bring the team up? I, I love musical instruments. I think you can teach your kids how to play football. That's good. I love football. I think you can teach your daughters how to play volleyball. That's really good. I'm a big fan of golf. I think golf is a sport that you can play for the rest of your life, truly. But you want to take care of a kid's future? Teach them how to play a musical instrument. Watch this. Fabian, play, play that one chord. I mean, come on. Every time he hits that first chord, it changes my heart. Christmas is coming up, and you've asked for junk in the past. You've got junk in your trunk all over the place, in your closet, everywhere. Things that you don't want, things that you you thought you needed and they're gone it didn't work the way you wanted it to have you ever thought about asking for a musical instrument for Christmas and then all of a sudden saying Father I want to play for you it's not going to be pretty at first but Psalms tells us praise me with those musical instruments here's another one clapping everybody clap Okay, watch this. Watch this. Psalms tells us this about clapping. Psalms 47, verse 1. Clap your hands, all ye nations. Shout to God with a cry of joy. Others of you know that old song. Clap your hands, all ye people. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. And an old man who discipled me many years ago. I'd sit by him in church. He was, a, he was a rough old cop, man. He was strict. He was hard. But it, changed, it, it really taught me a lot of things. I remember clapping. And, and I remember clapping in, in worship like this. And he turned to me and he goes, Boy, we don't give God no, 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 no golf clap. It's got to be 12 inches apart. And no joke, right there. I mean, he wouldn't settle for this. And I, I thought about it live. One day I thought, I, I actually experimented. I mean, you think about this and you, and you think about that. And that old man... He would get on to me. He said, we don't golf clap, Jesus. Boy, we don't golf clap, Jesus. And he'd, he'd make me go 12 inches apart. And it stung. But it made me think about, am I, clap, am I, am I golf clapping, Jesus? He told me one time, he said, boy, don't you keep your hands in your pockets when you can give them to Jesus. Or get your hands out of your pockets. And I said, but my hands like being in my pockets. He goes, I know, but we're singing to Jesus right now. You get your hands out of your pockets. I get my hands out of my pockets. 
and I'd be worshiping Jesus. And y'all may think, y'all may think, man, he was rough. He was rough. He was rough. He was religious. But it changed me. One day I was, I was worshiping God with one hand, and he leaned over and he goes, boy, get that hand out of your pocket. We don't worship God with one hand. You worship God with two hands. Boy, I raised my hand just like this. <laughs> I, I, I signed at a conference several years ago, and I was 39 years old. And, and I, I purposely left my hands in my pockets. And he leaned over and he goes, boy, don't you? And I said, I'm 39 years old. Leave me alone. But it changed my heart. Do we give God golf claps? Has God been a golf clap God to you? Has God been a golf clap God to you? I think I can be a little indignant to my God. Mm. You know what's funny is I get chatterbox in my head. You guys ever get chatterbox in your head? When I start clapping, I can't hear the chatterbox anymore. Oh, this is good. This is good. There he is. I get Try, try clapping. See if the golf, if the chatterbox comes back in your head. One more. Lifting hands. It's not my idea. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It has nothing to do with church. In fact, this is what Psalm says about it. I will praise you as long as I live. And in your name, I will lift up my hands. Boy, you get those hands out of your pockets. Boy, you get those hands out of your pockets. If you get those hands out of your pockets, I promise it'll change your focus. It changes your heart. Am I going to make a religious statement about it? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We don't need any legalism in this church. But for a very long time, longer than I've been pastor, it's been this moment to give God all of me. Here in the valley of my soul, when I am lost.